Stress is a serious issue. Depression, anxiety, and stress are some of the most um, common and uncomfortable conditions that we can experience at some point in our lives. Financial stress is one of the worst. This is a high-charged interview with Reverend Dr. Pam Fox. She is a mom, a coach, an author, and so much more. Hello, listeners. This is Davina, the Relationship Guru, and I am the host of the Relationship Guru podcast. It is a podcast for people who want to expand their minds about relationships. This is a show for people who are looking for spiritual, practical, and psychological insights to learn and grow about all types of relationships. Welcome back to another episode, and I am excited to bring you another episode. This episode was previously recorded um, at PowerPlay Radio Network. So let's jump in to this high-charged interview with Dr. Pam Fox on the topic of your relationship with stress and money. to enlighten us on some things. So Dr. Fox is very well, um, what do I want to say? Very well uh, accolade is the word that I want to use. So she is a licensed clinical social worker, board approved social worker supervisor. She is the clinical director of Firefox Outreach Ministries and Synergy Counseling and Coaching Center in Arlington, Texas. Um, business owner at Impact Mortgage, and Dr. Fox is a wife, mother, and enjoys the best time of her life with her family and friends. So I don't think the Impact Mortgage is yours. No. Okay, sorry. Sorry about that. So um, anyway, Dr. Fox, I'm going to let you talk more about you and yourself and what you do and your practice and your ministry. Very good. It's so good to be here with you Thank this you. evening, Davina. And uh, as Davina has mentioned, I am Dr. Reverend Dr. Pamela Fox. I am a licensed clinical social worker. I've been a social worker for many, many years. I am a native Chicagoan, Southside, and uh, glad to be here. Been in the DFW area since 2006, and uh, having, uh, as as mentioned in my bio, enjoying my best life yes. right now. And uh, had to leave the cold and the uh, sub-zero wind chill of Chicago and come to the uh, oppressive heat <laughs> as in this, in this environment, which the summer goes on and on and on. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I like it too. Uh, so it is my pleasure to be here with you this evening. I am uh, assistant professor in social work practice at the University of Texas at Arlington School of Social Work, in addition to being the clinical director of the Synergy Counseling and Coaching Center uh, in Arlington, Texas. and. Um, as a part of my ministry and practice, I am leading in uh, Foxfire Outreach Ministries. I'm an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ. And Foxfire Outreach Ministries, just for your listeners and viewers, has to do, our focus here in, in the DFW area is on health and wellness. Hmm. In terms of health and wellness coaching and discipleship coaching. Because what we know about God's people is that uh, we need help. <laughs> we need oh, leadership. Boy. We need a servant leadership and to learn how to be a better servant leader. Yes. And so that's what the discipleship coaching provides, as well as looking at uh, health and wellness. 
I just so you know this past year when I went in for my annual physical uh, was diagnosed with uh, pre-diabetes what yeah no. yeah yeah and, and I'm a diabetes educator so this was a big deal I was like having like a, a moment They're like what and so my doctor said, I ah, don't worry about it. You just got to change your lifestyle a little bit. Now, I thought I was on point with, with working on my lifestyle, drinking water and what have you. But what I learned earlier or later this year is that um, Viola Davis, actress Viola Davis was diagnosed with prediabetes. And uh, Oprah Winfrey mm -hmm. has been diagnosed with prediabetes. So it's, it's an issue that's happening in our community, it especially is. as we get older. It is. So we need to focus on holistic health and wellness, body, soul, and spirit. That's so yes. vitally important. Yes. And so I'm really trying to be about that business and carrying that message. Awesome. That is awesome. So yeah, that is a lot. You are busy. Busy, busy, busy. So thank you for gracing us with your presence and your time here. Um, that is an awesome, awesome thing to to um, to undertake, man, you have a lot coming on. Lot going so, on. but it's good to be busy. busy it's good to be busy. busy. That's right. Min that's right. That's right. Ministry is that's a work. Right. It's, it's a work. Uh, anytime you are helping people, it's a work, and yes. so you do have to take care of yourself that's in the right. process. That's right. Because helping others can drain you. Absolutely. It Absolutely. can drain you. Absolutely. So yeah, you have to yes. take care of yourself. Okay. So we're talking about financial health and wellness. We're going to talk about the relationship with money and health together mm. in one topic. Mm. And a lot of people want to separate them, mm. but I do um, sincerely believe that a lot of the things that we um, have physically ailing us are be is because we worry and stress about money yes. and about the things that, um, how we're going to provide for our families, how we're going to take care of ourselves, and it really does physically affect us. So I do want to connect the dots and connect the two um, on that as we talk this evening. Absolutely. So how did you come up with the name Synergy Counseling? Uh, Synergy actually goes back to my time in Chicago, 2001. And I was trying to think of what can I do to serve my community. I was uh, pastoring at my local church, but wanted to expand that ministry in a, in a different kind of way. And so in my spirit, the word Synergy came to play. And Synergy has to do with the interconnections of things, yes. systems. And so I see it as the interconnections of the body, soul, and spirit. Okay. And so that's okay. where Synergy kind of came from. All right, yeah. very well. What services are offered at Synergy? What we provide uh, in terms of our current practice is um, counseling and psychotherapy around issues of depression and trauma, okay. stress, anxiety. Mm -hmm. I do couples counseling as well. I provide um, uh, the, the coaching uh, aspect has been added as of last year. And so with the coaching piece, I'm a certified life coach and health and wellness coach, relationship coach, and, and a discipleship coach. Okay. Yeah. Where can people get in contact with you? I'm going to ask you a couple of times just so people will know. Okay. Where can they get in contact with you? Uh, our office is located at the Arlington Highlands Shopping Center, which is right off of I-20. Uh, if people know where Glorious Restaurant is and the Studio Movie Grill, that's where we're located. 3901 Arlington Highlands Boulevard. Um, and we're there and uh, just excited to be of service to our people. And people can reach me online through my um, email address, drpamfox at att.net. And also I have a Facebook page, uh, Synergy Counseling and Coaching Center. Okay. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, yeah, I'll ask those ask you to put that plug in there again yes um, what how do you think um, and I touched on it a little bit but I want your expertise um, how do you think the the connection with 
health financial inadequacy or financial deficiency affects our health? I think for, as I think about several of the clients that I'm seeing right now, some of the stresses that they're encountering have to do with financial issues. And if you can well imagine that for many people who are married, there may be conflicts that are related to financial management or financial mismanagement. And so that becomes a big issue in terms of communication breakdowns in some marriages. So we talk about that in terms of my counseling practice. But what I know is that we, sad to say, in the U.S., we are a debtor nation. Yes, we are. We are a debtor nation, and currently the statistics say that we have $23 trillion with a T, $23 trillion in debt here in the United States. That's a lot of zeros. A lot of zeros, and we have a financial deficit, an economic deficit in our, in our country as well. But the other thing that's related to that is that there is um, $1.5 trillion of student loan debt. Okay. And I'm one of those people with a student loan. <laughs> so I can relate to and identify with that completely. Yes. So that's 44 million people, students, current students, former students, who have a student loan, who are impacted by that. And that, as I found out, is impacting people considering who they're going to marry. Ooh. Okay, how so? Uh, do you want to marry someone who has a forty million dollars student loan? Okay, probably not. Probably not. That is that is an interesting. Right, so it's a good thing that you know want to go to school and advance your education, what have you, and you acquire the debt because that's how it's done in in America. Yeah. But uh, it's it's a thought question. Yeah, it is. I do know people are looking at credit scores before marriage, mm -hmm. which is important mm -hmm. um, because Texas and I'm from St. Louis. In Missouri are both marital rights states yes. so if you marry somebody who has um, better credit than you then you don't have good credit then your debt is their debt and their debt is your debt yes. and vice versa yes. so you can either marry someone with good credit and come up yes. a little bit yes or yes. you can marry someone who doesn't have as good credit and it will take yours down yes. with flames. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, I that know this. So, so it's serious business. It Allie. is. Serious, serious business. business. But, but we don't think about that when we're young because we are a consumer society. Yes. So we're about the business of buying stuff. Yes. And then the more stuff we see, the more stuff we want. Where it gets to the point where we have so much stuff, we have to rent storage units to store the stuff that we can't put in our house or apartment. Something is wrong with that picture. Something is wrong with that picture. And it's even worse that the media capitalizes yes. on it and makes TV shows yes. out of things like hoarders. Yes. Um, yes. You know, and I understand that that is a clinical um, diagnosis. Yes, it is. Yes. However, um, I don't think, I, I don't watch that show. I don't think people should be exploited like that on their clinical diagnosis. Yes. That's just my opinion. Yes, I agree. So, I agree. Um, I agree. yeah, because I do know that, you know, people, and then what's the other one? Pond, um, Storage Wars. Yeah, yeah, Storage yeah. Wars. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, I have watched that <laughs> once. Yes. I actually had a friend that was yes. on there, so wow. I, watched, <laughs> I watched that show one time. Yes. But the things that you're right on with that in terms of what are these issues that are associated with with money and finances and what have you. What the research indicates is that it has to do with our individual psychology. Yes. What do we think about money? What does money represent to us? Mm -hmm. uh, also has to do with our family history. Yes. How did our family deal with money? Yes. And I'll let you all in on a secret that uh, all families are dysfunctional. Yes. 
Mild, mildly, moderately, or severely. Yes. But all families are dysfunctional, and all family groups, like work groups, the work family is dysfunctional, the church family is dysfunctional, the community group, we're all dysfunctional. Yeah, we're so just, we just we get perfect. We're so we need to just understand that and try to work with ourselves yes. and each other as best we can with the spirit of kindness. Yes. But as you think about the family lessons learned about money and how you deal with that or not deal with it, that's a significant factor, and also how parents and children interact about money. Yes. Because parents are our first teachers. Yes. And so what are the parents teaching us about money, either directly or by observation? Yes, that is very, very true. That is very, very true. I remember when my children were teenagers, somewhere between the ages of 14 and 16, mm -hmm. um, I set them at the table. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, this is what me and your dad makes. These are our bills. And I took them line by line, showed them how to balance a checkbook, um, showed them that actually in, in reality, um, we were just making a little bit more than our income. I mean, we were making just a little bit more than our bills is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And there wasn't a whole lot left, but we managed to, you know, set a budget and stick to a budget good, good. so um and my middle daughter she is a beast with her but she will balance her checkbook to the penny and i am not that great um at balancing it to the penny i'm pretty good um pretty good but not to the penny but she is to the penny but it, it balancing checkbooks knowing about budgeting and that kind of thing it it is simple math it is simple math. This is not algebra. This it's is not, not trigonometry. This is simple math that we can do it. Yes. But we're not even in 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 this day and age. We're not really taught to do that. Right. We're not we're taught not. how to write a check or right. how to balance a budget and what have you. And those are life skills, especially our younger generation. Absolutely. Need to know about. They do. They do. They do because they don't. You know, we have it. This generation, and even you know, people in our age group or or older. They still put their wants above yes. their needs, yes. um, you know. And I just had this conversation with somebody. Um, I have a, a car. I paid off my car, and the first thing somebody said when I paid off my car, I was so excited. I paid off my car. Um, aren't you gonna buy a new car? Mm -hmm. I'm like, um, no, no, no. My car runs fine. Yeah, it is. I put got a tune up and some tires and an oil change. Very it good. runs fine. Yes, and uh, I have no need for a car payment because that's what the need would be. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't see that foresee that in my future at all. So I am. I drive cars so they fall apart. <laughs> I hear you. I do. Yes. So the basic human needs uh, in that regard are mm -hmm. food, clothing, shelter, health care, and transportation. Yes. So if you're able, either individually or collectively as a family or within a, a support group, able to make that happen, then that's a good thing. Okay. And you offer that service, financial counseling. Yes. With Synergy, yes. correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. That is awesome. That is awesome. So you guys, you know, get with Dr. Fox. Um, you know, there's resources that are available also online. There are a lot of resources lot of out resources. there that just teach you how to to manage your budget. Yes. Um, one of the things too, and, and I know you have some good insight on this, is how do you shut down that voice in your head that says, I want it, I want it, I want it, and listen to that voice that says, do I need it, do I need it, do I need it? Mm. <laughs> 
if you remember old school cartoons and in some of those cartoons there would be an angel on one shoulder and the yes. devil on the other so yes. that's like the devil trying to tell you yes do this do that spend your money yes you know put it on yes. the credit card and so we have to i think a good way of trying to figure that out is doing what i call a pro and con list okay write down the pros of why you want xyz designer handbag uh, versus the cons, like I'm going to be in debt for a long time for this designer handbag, and then I'm going to get tired of it, and I'm going to have to dispose of it or yeah. sell it or whatever. Yeah. And so, a pro and con list is one way to go. But just looking at needs and wants, that's so vitally important. But again, we live in this society that's kind of we're debt addicts, if yes. you will. And an addict is a person who engages in a compulsive behavior that continues despite adverse consequences. Mm. So, if we think about us being addicted to to debt. There's a problem with that because that that's, 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 that's enslavement. It is. And we call to be free. Yes. We call yes. to be to be liberated. And so we don't want to be enslaved to to debt and what have you for, for the rest of my life, our lives. There was a young lady that I saw an article the other day, a young woman, and she talked about her humongous student loan debt. She was crying. She was at a hearing, I think. Wow. And she said, "I'm going to be in debt until I die." Oh wow. She's in her 20s. She sees no way out. So that's just for student loans. So if you can imagine a mortgage, a car note, student loan, yes. daycare, the whole yeah, nine yards, it's overwhelming. It is. It's overwhelming. It will bring you depression, anxiety, stress, and trauma. Yes, ma'am. And you have to see me for those issues. <laughs> but yes, but this, this society we live in, this, this cashless society, yes. Yes. so we don't have a relationship with money. We have a relationship with plastic. Yes. If we don't see the cash. Yes. We don't have a connection with cash, so it don't mean nothing. Yes, yes, yes. And I actually still use, my daughter does, is the envelope system. Okay. I, I still use okay. that sometimes um, and put my cash in an envelope. Yes. And, you know, I have them labeled out, yes. you know, for internet, for yes. phone, yes. for whatever. Yes. And, and just pay it like that. And then um, I did, I, I, I was in recovery. I still say I'm in recovery for shopping. Uh -huh. um, at one point in time, um, I wasn't, I guess, I was mild yeah. because I wasn't the, the type of shopper that would um, shop all of my money away or shop my, my living expenses yes. away. Yes. But I surely could have saved more than I shopped. Yes. Um, so now that uh, I have gotten a better grip on my finances and myself, I shop in my closet okay. because I bought it already. Okay. You already got it. I already got it's it. It's already there. I already, it is. And um, I just recently moved, and I'm like, man, I didn't realize how much stuff I had. And stuff so, that can be donated. Stuff that can be donated. People that don't I even did. have the basics. That's right. And you can donate right out of your closet. I sure did. And get a touch right. <laughs> That's what I did. That's what I did. But the, the, what that indicates to a certain extent is that sometimes because of our self-esteem issues yes, and we feel the need to buy XYZ design or whatever to make us feel better about ourselves rather than taking the time out asking ourselves why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. What's the point? Mm -hmm. uh, we need to be more mindful if you will yeah. about I, what are we really doing. That's true. I know it was a very stressful time in my life when um when I was would just go aimlessly into a store and just like you know what I want that 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 and that I you know was 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 going through some things and that was my way of coping, but it wasn't a healthy way of coping. No, so <laughs> it's not a good coping. Yeah, it was not a good coping. No, 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 no. 
All right, so we're going to ask some more questions. Um, in your professional opinion, which should we prioritize first, the health or the wealth? I would say we need to prioritize the health. Okay. For without health, there can be no wealth. That's true. That, you say uh, that. That, that health, that financial health, that economic health, that stability is so vitally important. Yes. Because without it, we can be in a bad situation. But again, I'm thinking that we need to think holistically. Yes. That holistic health, body, soul, and spirit, with the spirit being our leadoff part of yes. who we are, being connected with a power higher than ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, Absolutely. My home church, um, Friendship West Baptist Church in Dallas, talks about the 80-10-10 plan. Okay. Which, in terms of your income, be that through um, employment or through your own business, 80% of your income should be applied to your um, bills. Okay. 10% for savings. Yes. 10% for tithing. Yes. Yes. To take a tenth off the top. Yes. For tithing. Yes. Yes. That that's so important to 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 be a blessing to to the Most High and to be a blessing in the life of the faith community and, and for others. Absolutely. Yes. At one point in time, and I and I would not mind getting back to that practice. I was tithing 15%. Mm -hmm. I was tithing 15%. And I saw a tremendous growth in everything in my yes, life. Yes. Um, I was tithing to 15% and then I was saving 15%, yes. which made me live off of the 70%. Yes, 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 um, so yes. that's where I started cutting stuff to determine if this is really a need or if it's really a want. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and it works if you work it. It works if you, <laughs> it works if you it work works it. And you, you can work. tithe, too, with, you know, some people don't have an income, but you can tithe with your, with other things. Yes. Time, That's talent, right. and treasure. Time, talent, and treasure. Right. Yes, right. ma'am. That self-awareness is so important. So give us some, some, some steps um, before we go to break on how we can start the process of what, you know, what are some of the first steps that you think are are the process of getting that holistic um, health wells, putting that those things in line, so that we can um, start to see both of the connection between our money and our health, and and make our health um, a priority, so that it's not affecting our money. I think some initial steps would be to plan for our retirement. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> we could we can do that in our twenties. We can like with our first job mm -hmm. to really begin thinking about that because social security in all likelihood is not going to be there. Probably not. And so we have to take care of ourselves. So I think yes. even at a young age that we need to be uh, working in preparation for our future retirement. But I would say too to not sweat the small stuff. Yes. The the big thing is like, am I serving? Am I serving the Lord? Am I serving the community? Am I being a blessing in the lives of other people? That's the big stuff. Yes. The small stuff is like stuff that we just get all bent out of shape about. Mm -hmm. And in the grand scheme of things, it's really not that yes. important. Yes. I would say another thing would be to try not to be a borrower. Mm. If you can be a lender, being a blessing in the lives of somebody else, yes. that's a good thing. That is awesome. But if you can refrain from, to the best extent possible, from being a borrower, that that keeps you out of that... Uh, debt enslavement yes and so I would say that those are some basic baby steps okay. if you will of things that that we can be thinking about doing. absolutely mm -hmm. absolutely all right 
So we've gotten some information. We're going to take a quick break, uh, a two-minute break. So don't go anywhere but to the kitchen to refresh <laughs> your drink, maybe get another snack. We're going to come back, talk a little bit more about the connection of our financial health and um, to our uh, physical health. So don't go away. Be back in about two minutes. What are you thinking so far? I just want to jump in here quickly before you, we continue the conversation with Reverend Dr. Fox. She is such a delight to chat with. Um, as an update, by the way, I have completed my first workbook. It is called 30 Day Pleasure Planner. The book can be purchased from my website at therelationshipguru.org. Remember to follow me on the socials as The Relationship Guru. For now, let's get back into the conversation with Dr. Fox, who is telling us that we need to be teaching each other some life skills. Stay tuned for more. We're back. I'm glad you are back with us. So we are um, at www.powerpointradionetwork.com. So tune in, tell your friends. We're at Power TV. You can also find us at Relationships Matter with Davina. Um, that's my website. My website is under construction, by the way. So if you go there, you'll see a few things. But it's under construction. Um, you can also call in with your questions at 972-863-8860. So we want to hear from you. We want want you to call in with your questions. So we're here back with Dr. Pam Fox talking about financial health and wellness. Uh, before break, she just gave us some keys to success on some things that we need to do um, to get us back to um, where we need to be. So we're gonna continue with that, with that discussion um, and talking about what are the keys to success, to financial success. I would say that some of the keys to financial success have to do with uh, what one would call doing our own homework. Mm, okay. Doing our own homework about our um, savings and stocks and bonds and uh, looking at investments, real estate, that kind of thing. Really kind of thinking outside of the box. Yes. That yes. we probably, a lot of people, kind of think just like, I just need to go to work and get a job and, and get paid every two weeks. And that's kind of it. Yes, um, and but we need to be thinking about multiple streams. Yes, multiple streams of income. We do. Yeah, because um, you know a lot of our parents and grandparents and generations back, you worked for a corporation for years, um, and then you retired, and you might have got a watch yeah. or a toaster, yeah. and and the little bit of retirement money that was owed to you, or you know whatever. But now companies are closing without warning, without notice, left and right, yes. um, and companies are going down in flames. Yes. So you do need multiple streams of income yes. in order to um, to survive. Even if you have been on your your job for years, there is nothing wrong with an extra stream of income. I was taught that um, yes. very very early. From very early on, we always had. Um, uh, and multiple streams of income. My dad, you know, he did lots of things. Um, and it didn't cost him a whole lot of money, and he wasn't a very educated man. Um, so 
but he he knew how to get out and actually work and he knew how to talk yeah. um so if you if you have you know any brain in your head you can figure out something you can do to bring in an additional income even if it's something small oh absolutely uh, some of the multiple streams come from hobbies or interests that absolutely absolutely and we just take it to the next level where it becomes a business yes 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 I'm gonna tell this story about one of my daughters uh, when she was very young and she still um, this is the money manager. She, I remember she asked me to buy her a pack of construction paper from the dollar store. Okay. So I bought her a pack of construction paper for a dollar, and she already had crayons. She took the construction paper, made some kind of little doily fans or like uh, coasters and mm -hmm. stuff, and went in the neighborhood and sold them for a quarter a piece. She colored them and, and made them all and glued them all together and people bought him, bought them. She came home with that one dollar investment. She came home with twelve dollars. Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Awesome business person. <laughs> yes, she was like seven. Seven. She asked me, she was like, Can I go in the neighborhood and sell my, my art? I'm like, sure, go ahead. Her and her sisters knocked on the door in the neighborhood and people were giving them quarters and buying, you know, two or three. And I thought Man, you know, look at that. So um, that was that. That was an awesome thing. Entrepreneurial spirit. It's entrepreneurial spirit. But many of our family members have, uh, down through the years, have have acquired land. Yes. And we need to be good stewards of the land that's been passed down from generation to generation. That we is do. part of our inheritance. It is. Uh, but unfortunately, some family members are giving up their land. I don't have time for that. I can't pay the property taxes, whatever. Wow. And so our people are losing land. Yeah. yeah. They just they just they don't see it as an asset. Yeah. They see it as they a liability. They don't. They mm -hmm. don't see it as an asset. They don't see it as an asset. So yeah, that is that is a great point. Okay. So why do we find it difficult to stay on task with our? Um, health goals and our financial goals so um, you can speak personally professionally um, however however the, the feeling comes up on you I think as I'm reminded about myself and many uh, persons in my practice and I work largely with with women particularly african-american women that the issue that we're struggling with uh, so often is that of um, low self-esteem Wow low self-esteem yes. it's a blessing block oh, wow. if you don't feel good about yourself you you I say did. you love the Lord and you, you love serving uh, God's people and what have you but if you dig real deep down into the whole who am I and why am I here that they oftentimes will say if they're honest they don't feel good about themselves very true very true very and, true. and if you don't feel good about yourself knowing that you are a queen knowing that you are royalty and you're not embracing that? Yeah. That's the problem. Oh my goodness. I talk to so many women who say that they don't feel good about themselves or who show it in their behavior mm -hmm. that they don't feel mm -hmm. good about themselves. Mm -hmm. And it is surprising to me because um, it is it is almost like a 
generations of beating. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and we can take it back to slavery. Um, and, and yes, that had a great impact upon our culture and our race, but we are we, we can move past that. You know, we can get past that point to where those things aren't acceptable anymore. But it's it's one person at a time. One person at a time. You can't see everybody, Doctor Fox. You can't but, see but, everybody. But you have to acknowledge that that's true. That yes. your issues are embedded in that that trauma yes. and that drama from the past. Because yes. what the research, particularly the research that I'm doing here lately, it relates to uh, multi generational trauma. Ooh. And how that trauma actually gets embedded, they call it um, epigenetics. Okay. And it gets embedded in our DNA. Ooh. And changes our, our cellular structure. I mean, it's deep. And it changes our brain structure and all of that. Because it changes who we are, how our body works, yes. how our body's been impacted by uh, trauma and stress. Mm -hmm. Through no fault of our own, it's just our life situation. And then if we have personal stress yes. and trauma in our lives today, yes. You got all that baggage that you bring into the forefront, and then you're trying to form a family. Yeah, trying to have kids. Yeah, healthy and happy kids. Yeah, you like as they say, toe up from the floor of <laughs> yourself. Yes, and you're trying to figure out and what's going to on. Figure out. Yes. And sometimes you spend so many decades trying to figure out what's the real deal problem. Yes, and sometimes it takes the ending of relationships or death in the family for you to get a clue. Like this is what's really going on. Yes, ma'am. Yes, and, and some of the symptoms has to do with some of that trauma and drama. Yes. has to do with how we misuse money. Yes. Because that money becomes our drug of choice. It, it oftentimes... To self-medicate. That's right. We are misusing money trying to buy things to impress people mm -hmm. we don't even like or they don't like us. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. 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 I, um, it's deep. It is deep. <laughs> it is deep. I am not, a, you know, a big designer handbag person. I mean, I have a few, but I, I don't necessarily go out of my way to to necessarily get a designer handbag. Um, you know, and the ones that I had that I have acquired, um, I made sure that it was a good, solid purchase. That it was a, a purchase of value, not a purchase to impress somebody else. But the thing, the interesting thing is that uh, the manufacturers of those designer bags and all mm -hmm. the brand name stuff and what have you, they know when people are going to get their income tax refund checks. They do. And they have the Talk big sales. It. Yes, ma'am. Around when they anticipate people are going to get their check. Yes, ma'am. So, so is that is that like predatory in some way? It is. <laughs> they're, it is. They're, they're out to get us. And do they really care about us? Or do they just want our money? Which they just want they our money. They just want our money. And so why are we, why are we just willy-nilly giving our resources, our assets away? Yeah. Just to have just something. To, just to have something. Because it's related to self-esteem. It is related to self-esteem. Um, and I, I am an off-season shopper. So at the end of the season, I buy stuff for the next season. And um, I can recall, I did this this one year. I saw this pair of boots that I wanted um, online. Mm -hmm. They were a hundred and like a hundred and thirty, hundred and forty dollars. I'm like, I'm not paying that for those boots. And it was right when the fall season came out of clothes. 
and um, I watched and I watched and so I checked back like around December they were down maybe like a hundred dollars I checked back um, in the spring or late late January early February they were around they had marked them down to like 70 79 80 dollars by June July, those boots were twenty nine ninety nine. Wow. That's when I bought them and wore them the next fall, and nobody knew that they were last season's boots. Because no. <laughs> you have to and to yourself. Yes. Compliments on it. You say if you only knew, right? It cost twenty nine dollars. Twenty nine ninety nine, and wow. I still get a lot of compliments on those boots. You're a good so, shopper. You that's that. Thank but, you. But most people, they they're impulse buyers. They are. They are. They see it. I want it right now. It's like microwave. Like thirty seconds. Yes. I want it right now. Yes. Then I get it sent to my house by you know Amazon. Oh, home. <laughs> I'm not a big Amazon shopper. Not at all. No. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit more about our health and wellness and getting those things um, um, together. So what helps? to stay motivated? What helps you stay motivated and on track with your, your finances? And what do you tell you know your, your clients, your patients, to help them stay motivated on both their health and their financial track? I think that you made a really good point about looking at needs and wants and looking at what do I really, really need? I mentioned the basic necessities of life. And if you have those basic necessities, that's a wonderful thing because not everybody has those things. That's true. And so you have to count the blessings that you have and try to pay it for, forward to be a blessing in the lives of somebody else. Yes. So so just basic necessities is a good thing and to really celebrate that, that you have that. But also the other part, uh, I mentioned body, soul, and spirit. And so the, the, the soul part has to do with our mind, our will, and our emotions. So we have to take the time out to really look at how are things going with my mind? Or am I putting positive things in my head? Yes. Am I reading yes. to keep yourself abreast? Because you want we want to work on literacy. I mean, financial literacy yes. and literacy literacy. Yes. Meaning reading books, what a concept. Are there some books you recommend? Uh, I would say, for one thing, uh, reading your Bible. Yeah. For those who are believers and trying to get into the Word because that is, I call it spiritual multivitamins. Yes. And uh, there's a lot of uh, really other good books. One that comes to mind is um, The New Jim Crow. Okay. Talking about criminal justice reform. Ooh. Yeah. I have not read that one. Yeah, that's a really good book. I've read um, a lot of Dave Ramsey's books. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and um, so I, you know, I practiced uh, some of the things that, that, which is the envelope system also. Yes, yes. Uh, practice some of those things yes. that he talks about. Yes. But I've not heard of who do you know the author? It's called the Jim Crow. The new Jim Crow. The new Jim Crow, which talks about criminal justice. Criminal reform. justice reform. So so the reason why I bring that up, because I'm okay. a social worker. No <laughs> I'm really concerned about criminal justice reform. But the issue is that if you came up in an impoverished home mm -hmm. and you came up in a community where the schools are not good, mm -hmm. it is quite likely if there's some family dysfunction you wind up in foster home. So it's like the um, school to prison pipeline is what it talks about. Okay. Bad schools wow. lead to perhaps foster care, child welfare system, which leads to prison. Mm -hmm. And prison is a is a billion dollar industry. Absolutely. Prison and prison reform. Yes. Is yes. a billion yes. dollar yes. Uh, industry. Yes. So if you look at 
who's populating the prisons here lately? Yes. It's a lot of black and brown people, men and women. Yes. How does the absence of those adults and juveniles too, but the adults in particular who have children, families, how does that their absence impact the family? It impacts them tremendously uh, financially, emotionally, um, man, it, it psychologically. Psychologically. Yes. Talk about more trauma. Yes. More trauma. Yes. Growing up um, in a single parent home and oftentimes that even rolls over to when that that male figure is gone it weakens that female yes, figure yes, and then therefore yes. you have now you have auntie grandmama cousins raising those children because that that family has been torn apart or children raising different. children or children raising children the latchkey kid I was a latchkey kid. Yeah, I was a latchkey kid. That was back in the too. day, and I, we survived. <laughs> but I but, but things are different now. Yeah, they are. Things are very different. We didn't have any internet. No, no, we didn't. So it's, it's so you mentioned internet. There are, as you can well imagine, uh, five and six year olds that have a cell phone. Yeah, yeah. My friend's son has. Oh, but he has. A, <laughs> he's five. He has a cell phone, but it doesn't have. Um, minutes on it's only used with wi-fi and it only has his little games on there so i bought it so when we're together he has something to do but it's a whole new world yeah it is it's it a whole is. new world it is and so we have to be so mindful about what our children are being exposed to on the Absolutely. internet and at school and yes, with their peers and all of that yes, because we want to we want to live as long as we can yes as well as we can that's so vitally yes. important that's true. and all that add talk about health and and, and wellness yes. and, and 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 financial well-being all of that is truly Truly interconnected. Yes. Truly yes. interconnected. Yes. Um, truly interconnected. I want to bring up this um, thing on the screen. It's uh, slide number uh, 18. I think it has all the wellness, all the words on it. Mm -hmm. That one. Yes. Mm -hmm. Word cloud. Word cloud. <laughs> Thank you. So on there, I see wellness stands out and as it should by its own right. Yes. But what other things um, in there are? just you know speak to you the bigger words that are there that speak to me we mentioned it touched upon it a mm -hmm. little bit spiritual mm -hmm. exercise yes health emotional financial yes. we're talking about that today environmental environmental mm -hmm. is the key yes because in, in the environment can be positive or negative it can be toxic or non-toxic it just depends and we talk about justice that the whole justice, social justice, it's not just uh, yes social justice and racial justice and gender justice and economic justice, but it's environmental justice. It is environmental justice. Environmental justice, and that's been a big topic, especially here lately. The young people are really raising the whole environmental piece and global warming and all of that. Yeah, that's real issue. Recycling, yeah, all of that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We need to get um, with the program. Yeah, yeah. I um. I don't recall having to separate my trash as no. a as a as a no. twenty year old no. as a young person. No. So, back but now my, I do. Yeah, back <laughs> in my day, we burned our trash. Oh, we can't do that anymore. Yeah, you can't do that. Cannot anymore. do that. So it all goes to a landfill. It does, and it pollutes our environment. It does. It does. <laughs> it does. All right. So I'm going to ask some other questions, um, a little bit more about what you. To practice your own self as well as what you tell your your clients um, what has been your greatest obstacle um, in working with um, our culture to get across the message that you're trying to get across 
I think as a uh, as a minister, ministers, you know, need to be ministered to. Yes. Counselors need a counselor. A psychologist needs a psychologist, someone to talk to. A therapist, social worker mm -hmm. needs someone to talk to who knows their profession and what they're going through. Yes. And so for me, I had to do some self-examination as I work with primarily African-American women and, and, and people from other diverse communities. And so I had to be honest with myself in terms of why do I kind of like have some issues. Okay. And so some of my issues relate to my own childhood low self-esteem issues and colorism. Uh -huh. Colorism is the color. This is the cousin of racism. Oh yeah. Racism, maltreatment on the basis of race. Colorism has to do with maltreatment on the basis of skin color and biological features. Yeah, I I I almost say it's the brother, the sister. Okay. Of because it's so prevalent within our own race. Mm -hmm that um, even when we overcome or get past the struggles that non-colored people present to us, we still have those issues and things that we have to deal with within our own culture based on um, our features, our hair texture, yes. the color of our skin. Yes. So yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So as I was coming up, I was this brown-skinned girl with short hair. Okay. And my brother's friends, my brother is two years older than me, uh, they'd make fun of me. I was a skinny kid with skinny arms, skinny legs, and brown skin with short hair. And so that became an issue. Mm -hmm. And even within my own family, that became an issue because when I was born, I didn't have any hair. So I was like, all skin, brown skin, <laughs> baby with no hair. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah. And so, so that, but that becomes, they talk about branding, that became yeah. a branding issue. That's what people say, and they will talk about it, go to family gathering, oh, that's a bright baby with no hair, brown skin, all Yeah, it does, it does. And it then does. it gets picked up by the kids in the neighborhood and what have you, and so that becomes injury on top of injury, and so that becomes a pervasive undercurrent in terms of impacting one's self-esteem, at least it did for me, and then it, it made me ask myself the question, am I good enough? Yeah. Am I pretty enough? Yeah. Am I smart enough? Mm -hmm. And so that can couple into negative self-talk. It does. I am um, raising my children. I really tried hard not to label them. Um, the only labels that they get now is oldest, middle, and youngest. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's that's not really a label. But um, they they tease each other and say, "Hey, I'm the middle kid," or "Hey, I'm the young kid," or you know. But it's not. <clears throat> it's just their birth order. Um, I didn't mean to make it a label. No. But um, other other than that, um, I tried really hard not to label them by their skin tone, mm -hmm. by their hair texture, mm -hmm. because I knew that they would get that outside of the mm -hmm. home already. So I really tried to instill in them um, positive uh, self-esteem. You know, everybody is different, and what you have is beautiful. It's your hair, your skin, your features are beautiful, um, just as they are. And so um, I hate that um, sometimes we still go through that in this day and age. And, and not only do we go through that, but we're carrying it over from generation to generation. And now we are allowing non-colored people to label us with the, with the same labels that we amongst ourselves yes. label us. Yes. yes. So yes. you know, like 
people, non-colored people using the N-word and thinking, you know, that that's cool. So we can't get offended when they use the N-word when we ourselves, you know, use it amongst ourselves and expect it to have a, a different connotation. Now, I do believe that there are things that you can um, tease or, you know, can do inside your own home that you don't do outside. So, you know, at, at the kitchen table, if I say, you know, um, hey, middle kid, come over here, blah, 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 that's one thing. But to say something derogatory to my daughter outside of the home, um, you know, as far as her, uh, as a stigma, that's a whole different that's story. A whole different that's a whole different thing. And with this younger generation, what we're finding in terms of my clinical practice is that uh, the issue of loneliness oh, wow. is a big deal issue. Loneliness being that we're so connected with our phones that we're disconnecting ourselves with human contact. Hmm. And so you, you know, I've been almost run somebody over because they're so looking at their phone and I look them see if there's a car following them. You know, it's like, come on now, yeah, pay attention. This, I, I, this happened to me as a matter of fact just this weekend, um, but it wasn't in the car. It was in the grocery store. I'm in the grocery store. I got my little food and I stopped and I'm looking at something on the shelf, and the lady ran right into my cart and got mad at me. She was looking at her phone. I'm like, I wasn't even moving. I'm standing still. She was like, oh, this cart is in the way. I'm like, no, you weren't looking where you were going. <laughs> you were in the way. Yeah, you, you weren't looking where you were going. Ran right into the cart and got mad. That's right. So um, we yeah. have to keep on working on uh, accentuating the positive. We do. And trying to eliminate, de-emphasize the negative. There's going to be negativity yes. in this world. It's just the way the world is. But we have to be lights in the midst of darkness. That's very, very true. And that's that very, is very that's vitally important. So let's talk a little bit about, um, okay, oh, we're going to go to a break, <clears throat> but when we come back, I want to talk about Firefox Ministries. Okay. Um, so we're going to take a break. Um, oh, it is break time. So get your drink refreshed, get your snack refreshed, come back in just a few minutes. We're going to talk a little bit more with um, Dr. Pam Fox and what's going on with her. So see you in two minutes. This is some really, really informative stuff here. I mean, she is so super packed with information. And I just wanted to pause before we move along to recognize what a phenomenal person Dr. Fox is. When you meet her in person, she has such a calming vibe. So stay tuned to hear more about what she has going on. Synergy coaching and counseling, counseling and coaching. Yeah, counseling and coaching. Counseling and coaching. I'll <laughs> let you tell people where they can find Alrighty, you. All right. Uh, we are located uh, in Arlington, Texas at 3900 Arlington Highlands Boulevard. And if you are uh, off of I 20, and if you're familiar with uh, Glorious Restaurant and the Studio Movie Grill, that our office is located right there. Uh, suite 200 and uh, I've been in that office suite since uh, 2017 and uh, it's just tremendous things happening there in the Arlington Highlands area. Okay. So All glad right. to have you out. All right. Awesome. 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 So also talk a little bit about for those people that are just tuning in the services that you offer. Uh, we provide uh, uh, counseling and psychotherapy services particularly focusing on depression, anxiety, stress, and trauma. 
Uh, I, I'm certified in uh, EMDR, which is eye movement uh, reprocessing and desensitization, and it's a way of dealing with uh, trauma. It's trauma-informed care. And so that, among other things, in terms of like cognitive behavioral therapy, traditional talk therapy, and other things that I bring to the forefront. Uh, but it's it's helping people to help themselves. I think is the most important thing I would so want important. to get across. It's so important. Yes. Okay. So with that, we're going to talk a little bit about your ministry, Fire Fire Fox Ministry. Fox 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 Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Foxfire Ministries. Yes. Talk a little bit. Um, it's an outreach ministry. Outreach Talk ministry. a little bit about that. Yes. Foxfire Outreach Ministry actually began in Chicago back in 2001. And when our family relocated here, we restarted Foxfire Outreach Ministry. So our focus right now in terms of Foxfire has to do with uh, getting out the word to communities and faith-based organizations about health and wellness. I am a uh, diabetes educator, diabetes care, and education specialist. And so the picture on the screen is a picture of me at a senior health fair where we were providing, my husband and I were providing information about um, diabetes education, healthy eating, healthy coping, being active, taking medication as prescribed, and the other things that are recommended in terms of uh, diabetes care. So it's, uh, diabetes is epidemic in our community. So we yes, need to be mindful is. about that. Yes, it is. And we need to drink water, drink more water. Yes, me. <laughs> and, and be active. Be active. Yes. And the being active actually helps with depression management because yes. it releases the happy chemicals in our body, the endorphins, and decreases the uh, the stress hormones. Yes. So that's a, that's a wonderful thing. That is a wonderful thing. Uh, I am a gym person. I am an exercise person. Yes. And I believe in releasing my happy endorphins. Yes. And I do yes. do that. But you said something um, that I just kind of want to touch on a little bit um, about how diabetes is so prevalent um, in, especially in black and brown culture, um, people of color. I often tell people it is not a badge of honor. So, um, but you often hear people say, ooh, I have sugar diabetes, or ooh, I have, you know, my diabetes, it is not a badge of honor to have diabetes, and it's not something that um, you should have to live with. If you were not born with that, then it's not something that you should have to live with. Well, type 2 is the most prevalent type of diabetes. It's, it is. And the endocrinologist would say that type 2 diabetes is lifestyle-induced. It is. So it's something that we can turn around, but we say, oh, I got a touch of sugar, grandma had yeah, diabetes, yeah. grandpa had diabetes, whatever. So you think it's inevitable yes. that you're going to have diabetes, but you don't have to you don't. have diabetes. No, ma'am. But, but because of how we've been socialized, mm -hmm. how we eat, and what have yes. you, and, and we drink a lot of soda, and what I found out here in Texas is that um, people love Dr. Pepper. Yes, they do. And what I tell them is that Dr. Pepper is not a good doctor. It's not. <laughs> so we have to do something else in terms of drinking another beverage and water is a good thing. Water Green is tea a is a good thing. Yeah. So awesome. we need to be mindful about that. We need to be mindful yeah. of those things. My background is um, is a nutritionist dietetic. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, I, I served in communities for 15 years. I managed a health clinic um, that, you know, where people would come in and, and get uh, information on the WIC program. Mm -hmm. I was a WIC uh, manager, mm -hmm. women, infants, mm -hmm. and children. Mm -hmm. And uh, man, you are so 
sometimes it ceases to amaze me as to how people's relationship is with food yes. um, and how they think about food. Yes. Um, and I mean, I, I got tons of stories, yes. but you know. But we're, food we're can become say, a drug. Food can become, it, it is, it is actually can kind of the new drug. Yes. <laughs> it's but kind it, of the new drug. But it's the sugar that gets us high. Yes, it is. So the more carbs we eat, the more sugar-filled stuff we eat, the yes. better we feel. So yes. we think, but it's a, it's a time-limited yes, sugar high. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> it doesn't help our pancreas at all. It does not help us at all. So what I found, I, I did a lot of work with my diabetes education in South Dallas, and uh, there there are tremendous food deserts. Oh, wow. So people cannot access you know, the, the grocery stores yeah. that we're familiar with because it's not in their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So they go to the local convenience store, and they buy what's there, and which is not good food. No, it's processed food. It's processed food. Yeah, a lot of sodium, a Absolutely. lot of sugar. Absolutely. So blood pressure high, and yes. blood sugar is high, yes. cholesterol yes. is high, and all of the bad markers that you see on the lab test and what have you. You will be high. If you if if all those are high, yeah, yeah, you will be low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you add stress to that. Yes. Not, yes. It's not a bad, it's, it's a it's, bad situation. It's a bad, bad situation. Yeah. So um, how do how does um, Foxfire Outreach Ministries tie into synergy do they do they cross associate and um, how do you how do you manage both of those and make both of those work um, so that you're helping people so synergy is a professional corporation okay. if you will okay um, fee-for-service practice gotcha. and Foxfire Outreach Ministries is a 501c nonprofit and so we're not in the business of trying to make money. We're just trying to carry the message of health and wellness. Got you. So, so that, um, from that faith-based org uh, organization standpoint, is what we do. And what we do provide, uh, the healthy um, messaging in terms of uh, the health fairs, mm -hmm. but also providing some pastoral counseling. Okay. And uh, coaching in terms of uh, discipleship coaching. Gotcha. Yeah. So gotcha. that's where that comes into play. Gotcha. So you have an event coming up, but we're going to talk a little bit about it and then come back to it. Yes. Um, it's November the 13th. November the 13th, um, yes. Yes. So talk about that. I'm really excited to talk about this. This opportunity at the University of Texas at Arlington uh, Center for African American Studies will be the third opportunity that I've had uh, this year, actually, okay. to speak on this subject. I call it Sankofa. This is part of my research because I've just got a burden on my heart for my people. Yes. And Sankofa in the African tradition means going back and getting it. Okay. So we have to go back and get the history and the, yes. the information that is so important about knowing about our people. And in this particular presentation that I'm going to do in November that it speaks about what's happened to us as a people more than 50 years after the assassination, 1968 assassination of Dr. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. But also this year, actually August 2019, marks the 400th anniversary uh, since the first African slaves were brought to the United States. Oh, wow. It was 1619. Wow. Okay. In uh, Jamestown, Virginia. Mm -hmm. so, so talk about the trauma and the drama and all that. Yes. For us on these shores, that it started back then. Yes. And so we're still trying to recover Absolutely. from what happened to us back in the day. Yes. Uh, but the point of the matter is Sankofa informs us that we need to go back beyond the pre-slavery. Okay. Back to the motherland. Okay. Where we were kings and queens. Yes, ma'am. And princes and princesses. 
and remember who we were. Yes. And get reconnected with the motherland and reconnected with our spirituality. Mm -hmm. So that will inform us in a different kind of way. Wow. To help us to be less caught up with trauma and more just being about just wonderful things. Yeah, positive things. Can we bring that up again? So it's November the 13th. November the 13th. And it's open to the public. Open to the public. It's free. It's free. And it's from 12 to 1. Yes. And it is In the where? Rosebud Theater on the University of Texas campus. Okay. UTA campus. UTA campus. Yes, at the Rosebud Theater, which is near where the Student Union is. You okay. see it's a university center. Oh man, I'll be out of town that weekend. Yes. So it's it's um, it's it's a wonderful thing. The first time I presented it, this uh, talk, Sankofa, was at the uh, Society for Social Work and Research okay. in San Francisco. Okay. I did my presentation, well received mm -hmm. by by the audience uh, participants. Right after my talk, I noticed on the program that there was another talk, and the presenter was Dr. Angela Davis. Ooh. <sighs> My hero. <laughs> I said, I have to go and get a good seat. Yes. I just want to get real close. She is so powerful, oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Oh, my goodness. She's so powerful. So powerful. Yes. Yeah, so and so when I, back in the day when I was an undergrad, and that was many years ago, I had a picture of her on my, a poster of her on my dorm door okay. with the big afro. <laughs> and so to see her many years later with the big afro, but it's like gray like mine. <laughs> it was a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Yes. She's such a beautiful person. But the just yes. empowerment, power for our people. Yeah, that was her talk. Yes. yes. So we, I know we touched a little bit on it, but we're going to talk about it again. What is your why? Really dig a little deeper into that, and then why are you passionate about your why? <sighs> My why has to do with why I'm a social worker. And I'm a social worker because I have a burden on my heart for social justice. And we talked a little bit about uh, social, racial, gender, economic, and environmental justice. And that's been on my heart ever since I was 14 years old in Chicago, just looking around in um, where we grew up on the South Side. We were the first African-American family to have a house. The other folks in our block and then surrounding blocks lived in apartment buildings. So we were like considered like special people because we had a house, a real house, single family house. But as the years progress, uh, changing neighborhood, our neighbors across the way who happen to be a white family, some of the kids in that family threw eggs at our house. I was trying to figure out why are they throwing eggs at our house? What did we do wrong? And what we did wrong is that we were black family, single family house, which is a problem for them. Yeah. Like, who are you and why are you here in our, our neighborhood? Yeah. And so it was from that point going forward that I. <clears throat> wanted to really see what I could do in my own little way mm -hmm. of trying to help people in our community. And then that was a time too, uh, at the time where uh, civil rights movement was going on. It's like, what can I do in my own way to help my community? And so what dawned on me was social work. My mother, uh, who passed away two years ago, was a school teacher and school principal. Okay. And I saw how hard she was working. I said, I don't want to do that. <laughs> it looked like hard work. I said, I'm going to do something else. What can I do? And I said, well, I'll be a social worker. Okay. So I told my dad, you know, I was going to go to this college and be a social worker. He said, my darling daughter, social workers do not make any money. You should go and be a psychologist. Psychologists make big money. I said, daddy, daddy, I don't want to be a psychologist. I mean, that's a good thing, but I want to be a social worker and help people. He said, there's no money in me helping your people. So I went and registered for school, college. 
and there I had two choices be a psychology major be a social work major I signed up for psychology and at the registration desk I thought about it for 15 minutes I went I registered and became a social work major good and never look back never look back my dad was mad at me at the <laughs> Christmas break he said ah, she's doing what she wants to do yeah as long as she's happy yeah sometimes we um you know have to we know we know we know yes. our hearts yes. and we know our interests yes. and we know what we're going to be yes. passionate about yes. So that is awesome that you have a love for people. Love for people. Want to help people. Yes. I, um, I I do. I have a love for people also. And also um, am always wanting to help people. I'm on a couple different boards for um, nonprofits and, and um, organizations. So yeah, 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 yeah. And it seems uh, sometimes you have to, I do, I have to just um, step back for a second because I find myself if I don't um, take a break for myself, I find myself that I'll get burned out, yes, yes. that I'll get um, discouraged because you can't help people fast enough. And then sometimes it's a little discouraging when people don't get it. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. that they have the ability to get it. Yeah. So yes, ma'am. Yes. So that is my why, just wanting, helping to helping people to help themselves. Yes. To the best of our ability is just, and in, inspiring people to reach their fullest potential. There's only one of me. Okay. And uh, the need is great. Yes. So you just do the best you can with That's what you right. have. That's the right. people that burn out, they say, are the ones that are on fire. That's true. That's true. So That's we, true. we passionate people who love we people. Do. We try to help people, but we got to help put our own oxygen mask. That's very good. <laughs> so how has that um, little skinny brown girl with short hair um, changed how she feels about herself? and rebranded herself to be the successful person that you are now? That the, um, that I am, I am still the, the not skinny. <laughs> I'm curvy. I'm the curvy girl. Which <laughs> short hair. Which has gone from brown and black to gray. Which is now a fashion statement. It is. And my color is a fashion statement because you know, people say I tell them my whole life. And they say, you're what? I said, yes, you're not telling the truth. I said, I drink that water. It's found in you. It is a fountain of you. It'll I change your complexion. Mm -hmm. Make you look younger. Change your skin. Change your skin. That's right. That's smoothness and what have you. So I'm saying all that to say that it's uh over the years, I've come to grips with who I am and whose I am and, and just yes. wanting to love on people and be a blessing in the lives of people, knowing that I'm here for a season, a reason, and, and for this lifetime, this gift of time that, that God has given to me. And I just want to do the best I can with what I have to be of service. Mm -hmm. And that just is a motivator. It gets me up out of the bed every day. So you had to kind of get out of your own head and basically um, dismiss to yourself those things that you know those names those labels those um, stigmas that you yeah. were given yeah. from a young child I know that's what I had to do because we all we all did that and I had to um, to turn some of those things around that you learned um, from from elementary school from you know those things from bad choices in relationships yeah. bad choices in workplaces and those stigmas that were placed up on you and, and, and you look yeah. at what you survive yeah yeah I'm a survivor yeah. you're a survivor I'm yeah. a survivor yeah but but I, I had to get that that negative uh, self-talk uh, yes. tapes out of my head yeah it's that negative self-chatter right. right will destroy right. you and I encourage people all the time 
to change the conversation you have with mm -hmm. yourself about yourself. Mm -hmm. And I, I say that all the time because that's how you, you know, that's how you move forward, that's how you overcome things. So, so I, I used to ask myself a question. That's my mother's school teacher and what mm -hmm. have you, and she would, I knew education was like so vitally important to her that she wanted to be a teacher from when she was a little girl. And so, but I would ask myself the question to myself, am I good enough? Mm. Am I good enough? Mm. Do I have enough education? Will mom be pleased with me? Am I doing the right thing? Yes. So I would play those tapes, and even after she passed away, I would ask myself, is she pleased with me? Wow. Is mom pleased with yeah. me? Because we want to be pleasing to our parents, yeah, and our grandparents, and our ancestors. Yeah, and so I, I would say, I, I think she's pleased with me. Well, I, <laughs> I would say the same thing. Um, I think my mom will be pleased with me, but um, I've always been a free spirit, and um, I really appreciate the fact that my my parents kind of let me be a free spirit to uh, grow and develop into a lot of different things and do a lot of different things because um, anybody that knows me personally knows that I have lived probably about five lives and changed professions. I have degrees, I have certifications, and um, you know I'll I'll change. Change uh, and do it a uh, something similar, maybe not a total makeover or a total change, but um, I will veer off on a little path and then come back. And you keep it interesting. I do. That's a good thing. You know, because I do. I have to, um, and it takes a special person to be able to yeah. to, to to deal with that. You know, with me. Um, but I do. I have a lot of ideas floating around in my head, and sometimes I just you know have to get them out. Yes, ma'am. It's part of the artistry of us. Oh, yes, ma'am. Our giftedness, yes, our creativity. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, you can't stifle. You can't. You yeah. can't. And I, uh, I, you know, people, people try have tried and um, they have failed. So. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have failed. Okay, so we're gonna move right along. What, in your opinion, is the greatest human quality? Mm. As I think about that, I, I would say that the greatest human quality is that of love. And in so many quarters and aspects in our world, love is missing. Yes. And it's been uh, replaced with hate and negativity and anger and hostility and all that yes. negative stuff. Yes. So if we who have a clue, focus in on love, what a wonderful different kind of world it would be. Yes. I, uh, I like eating you know, kind bars. Oh, yeah. And I, like I use the box as a prop mm -hmm. with my therapy clients. And I said, it says kind on it. I said, this is what we need in the world. It's like, oh, that is so cool. <laughs> that is so, that's like a visual reminder. It is. Of what we really need. But the scripture talks about in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, that love is patient, love is kind. Love is not envious, love is not boastful. Yes. Love is not hate-filled. Love is calm and forgiving and positive and truthful and protective. Absolutely. And so what a wonderful world it would be if we practice some of those principles in our daily life. Yes. In what we say and what we do, how we encounter others, how we love on ourselves. Yes. Oh, self-love. Self-love is so Self-love is so important. Mm -hmm. And um, 
you know, I cannot stress that enough because um, I, I am a total believer in that. And I do believe in pampering myself and loving myself and dating myself. Um, and I do that um, probably more often than, than most people would care that I do that. <laughs> but the me time. It is. Having it's that great. Time. It's so, so it's important. It's so important. So it important. is so, so important. Absolutely. But, but the issue, too, is that of forgiveness. Yes. About self-care. Yes. That we have to forgive ourselves. We do. We have we to do. forgive others. We do. But we have to forgive ourselves. And I think it's, it's oftentimes harder for us to forgive ourselves. Yes. Because women especially are, or we were brought up to be nurturers. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say trained to mm -hmm. be nurturers. Mm -hmm. But we were brought up to be nurturers mm -hmm. and to put others ahead of ourselves anyway and um, you know not let not take out that time to take care of ourselves so but but we've been trained too in that regard to think that self-care yeah focusing in ourselves is being selfish yes and it is not yes it's it not. is not. It's not it is not it's a treatment plan so <laughs> what next question before we go on, a, on another quick break what is the message that you want to get across or out through your brand I would say that the message would be inspiring people to reach their full potential. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Inspiring people to reach their full potential. We talk about living our best life. How do people live their best life? They have to figure out who they are. They do. This is not identity search. It is. I was uh, sharing with a colleague of mine. My, I have a 23-year-old at home. And he was leaving out to go to work. And he said, Ma, Ma, you don't understand. The struggle is real. And I'm trying to think, what is your struggle, my brother? <laughs> what is your struggle? What is your struggle? And so I shared with my colleague. Uh, and she said, the struggle of the young adult is a search for identity. Who are they? It's like, wow. That is very, very That's true. deep. That is and what is their purpose? What is their purpose? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so our, our, our young folk are trying to figure that one out. Some of the older folk and too. Yeah, 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 yeah. In a world that's very chaotic. Yes. And in, in the world that expects us, expects so much of us too. And what I find is, and I'm glad you brought that up because it triggers something else in my mind. We have to learn to set our own expectations mm -hmm. and not let mm -hmm. society, mm -hmm. social media, mm -hmm tell us who we are and who we should be and how we should act that's right. we have to we have to develop those um, things that ourselves so, so when I was in, in uh, church ministry mm -hmm. what I would discuss with with our, our ministry partners uh, is that they say well, what is my mission and uh, a senior pastor told me he said our mission is <laughs> to glorify God and to serve God's people yes period full period. stop what else you need to know? Yeah, and you're part of God's people. Yeah. So again, serve yourself. So glorify God, serve God's people. Okay. That's your ministry. That's your mission. Yeah. Just go forth and that's right. Do that. That's right. Well, I'm told we have an email question coming up. So let's see what our email question is. It says, "This is Terry. She's 36 from McKinney. I have spoiled my 16-year-old daughter and 15-year-old son with a lot of external stuff." But now I want them to understand that their priorities in life are wellness, education, and spiritual guidance. Is it too late for me to redirect them? Um, the answer is no. <laughs> Go for it. The answer is no. no. 
<laughs> I would say that what would be of interest is perhaps for you to sit down and have a family meeting with them and to kind of do a reset and talk about what collectively can you do as a family to get some things in a good working order. Uh, but then as the um, parent leader, mm. you have to practice what you're going to preach. Ooh. Mm. You said a lot with a little. Go ahead. You asked the question. Go ahead. Because uh, if you say you've spoiled them, that you had a hand in that. Yeah. That you can't you can't show love by giving stuff. Have mercy. No, stuff is a is a is not a good substitute for love. It's not. Love is person to person, heart to heart, eye to eye, breast to breast, mm -hmm. chest to chest. It is. Heart to heart. Yeah. So so if you focus in on sharing the love which love is your time, talent, and treasure, that you may find that you don't need to give so much external stuff. That is very true. And I'm of the opinion it's never too late to change behavior until we're like in, in the grave. That's true. And true. then we're done. That is very true. We um, oftentimes, I, I prefer to have experiences than stuff. So, um, you know, my family knows that, you know, I'd rather have take a trip and have an experience than to have a whole bunch of stuff. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm real simple on that kind of stuff. Totally, totally, totally. But we are going to take another break here in just a few minutes. So refresh your drink, get another snack. It's not too late to invite your friends to Relationships Matter with Davina. It's on Facebook, so you can follow us there. Also, um, PowerPlayRadioNetwork.com. Go to Power TV, and we'll be back in about two minutes. I am now accepting one to two new clients for Whole Life Coaching. Whole Life Coaching is for the whole person. Whole Life Coaching is including every aspect in your life. Whole Life Coaching works with all areas of your life to help create a natural rhythm and cadence. Whole Life Coaching is about developing the life you want, and Whole Life Coaching is about living the life you want. Call 412-ASK-GURU to schedule your free discovery call now. That's 412-ASK-GU. Are you to schedule your free discovery call?
Hey, we're back. It's Relationships Matter with Davina. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Relationships Matter with Davina. And check out my website that's under construction, RelationshipsMatterWithDavina.com. So you can also follow us at um, www.PowerPlayRadioNetwork.com and Push Power TV. So we're here with Dr. Pam Fox, the Reverend Dr. Pam Fox, and she is with Synergy Counseling and Coaching in Arlington, Texas here. And she has um, years of experience in uh, both her professional practice as well as her ministry, which is Foxfire. I gotta make sure I don't say Firefox. <laughs> Foxfire Ministry, Outreach Ministry. So you can look that up on the social media as well. There's a nice picture there of Dr. Pam Fox. So we're gonna jump right back in to the discussion um, that we were talking about both our financial health and our fight and our wellness and how our health affects our wellness and our wellness affects our health mm-hmm. and how we have to align those both um, and definitely connect those with our higher power um, for me that is God Father and Holy Spirit so we're going to jump back into the discussion and we're going to talk about um, a little bit about some instincts so I do believe that
I am now accepting one to two new clients for whole life coaching. Whole life coaching is for the whole person. Whole life coaching is including every aspect in your life. Whole life coaching works with all areas of your life to help create a natural rhythm and cadence. Whole life coaching is about developing the life you want and whole life coaching is about living the life you want. Call 412-ASK-GURU to schedule your free discovery call now. That's 412-ASK-GURU to schedule your free discovery call.